This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, November 16th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. Richard Cordray is stepping down as head of the controversial Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Is this an opportunity to close the unorthodox agency that is relatively unaccountable to either Congress or the president? Perhaps it's merely an opportunity to restructure the agency and make it more accountable to those elected branches of government. Cato's Thea Brook-Knight comments. What makes Richard Cordray so controversial? The entire agency has been controversial since its inception. I mean, it was part of Dodd-Frank. This is an agency that was created in 2010 um, by Dodd-Frank, which is the big piece of financial legislation that was put in place after the financial crisis. And so it's been controversial since um, since the beginning. One of the things that has made Richard Cordray an exceptionally controversial director of this agency is that he's taken a really antagonistic approach toward the financial services industry. And that's a problem not just because, you know, everybody deserves fairness from the government, even different industries, but also it doesn't promote the agency's mission in providing consumers access to financial products. I mean, the you know, it's the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is the name of the agency. And if you take a view of consumer fi- consumer protection, that means that the, the financial services agency is somehow predatory toward people. That ignores the fact that most transactions, the vast majority of transactions between consumers and financial services companies are mutually beneficial. The reason that people you know, pay money or pay fees to financial services providers is because they want to use credit cards. They want to get mortgages. They want to, you know, get all of the different kinds of financial products that we need in order to make our society work. So his departure, what opportunity does that create? I mean, we, we've talked about um, the you, you don't like the agency. Uh, a lot of people view the – or courts view the agency as structurally unconstitutional. Is that what the, the, the court has found? There, It has a weird structure in terms of how this director, whoever this director might be, may be removed I mean, what opportunities does that create in your mind? So the constitutional problem with the agency is that it is headed by a single director, not a commission, and this director is removable only for cause. That means that the president can't fire the director for um, a disagreement in policy. Now, there are constitutional questions about having an independent agency at all that, you know, there's an argument that the Constitution allows for three branches of government and an independent agency doesn't fit in any of those three. So where does it come from? Um, but there is now a longstanding practice of having independent agencies. I think that no matter what our desires might be, those aren't going away anytime soon. But almost all of the rest of them are structured as uh, commissions with five members, no more than three of whom can be of the same political party. So they're structured with this idea that the members serve as checks against each other and that the commission as a whole will move toward a more moderate position than having just one party or the other. Um, and this agency is created very differently. And one of and you know there have been people who have said that that was part of the point. That the idea is to insulate the agency from the political process, and to insulate it from control by either Congress or the president. And by creating having a single director, have it be able to move more quickly. Now, more quickly means with less deliberation, um, with 
you know, more attuned to the whims of the particular director as opposed to having to go through a whole process with others, um, other commissioners to think through the ideas. So, you know, the way the agency has worked reflects its structure. I mean, you can talk about these structural problems as being, you know, big academic, isn't it interesting, these constitutional issues. But we've really seen in practice what a bad structure can do where, you know, the structure puts all of the power in the hands of this one person. And he has behaved very capriciously um, and very, as I said, antagonistically toward certain industries in a way that just exemplifies, you know, this is just an illustration of why this is such a problematic structure. There are two other issues. One is that uh, uh, even with a commission, they still have accountability to the extent that their funding comes from Congress to conduct their activities. That's not true other of CFPB. Right. Other agencies get their funding through Congress, but the CFPB does not. So that's and, an ongoing problem. And the mandate for CFPB, it's not balanced with any other goal. There's no, there's no, there's nothing that, uh, that, that balances its goal of, of a, attacking what they view to be illegitimate or wrong-headed somehow uh, financial services? Yes, to the extent that the name of the agency is the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. I mean, if you think of other financial regulators, um, you know, the Securities and Exchange Commission, which regulates the capital markets, um, it's it does have investor protection as part of its mandate, but it is not called the Investor Protection Commission. And this agency could have been called the Consumer Finance Bureau or the preferably the Consumer Finance Commission, and it wasn't. Now, in its actual mandate from the statute, providing access to consumers to financial products is part of its mission. Um, it just seems that the the way it's been run, the policy that it's pursued under Cordray's leadership has been to pursue um, consumer protection at the cost of everything else and without balancing protection with other consumer interests. And I would argue that consumer protection includes access and choice. Right. So if their, if their mandate under Cordray has been executed in such a way that they're merely shutting down certain options for consumers, it's, it's almost a let them eat cake sort of uh, attitude where we've shut down this negative option. We've done our job. You're welcome. And now this option is gone, and you may have viewed it as your best option. I think that's true. And I think that sometimes, you know, look, I think that there are people at the CFPB who are trying to do the right thing, who believe in the work that they're doing. Um, I just think that oftentimes they seem at least to be somewhat blind to the realities of people's needs. And, you know, it would be great if we all, you know, if every American had good jobs that earned a steady salary and all had great credit and could all get credit cards with rewards points. And, you know, that's great. But that's only available to a small group of people overall. Um, and these are people who have, you know, other resources where there are plenty of people who, you know, do shift work. So their income is not steady, who have had problems with credit in the past. And so it just is not uh, feasible to offer them credit on the same terms as somebody who has a better credit history. This is called underwriting. You know, we need to make sure when um, when companies make loans that they make sure the person is a good credit risk. And there need to be opportunities for people to take loans that may not be in the most favorable terms that give them access to the money they need and also give them the opportunity to build, rebuild their credit. Now, so again, this 
seems like an opportunity to just get rid of the agency, I mean, you at least temporarily have uh, one-party control of both houses of Congress and the White House, and Republicans have been banging the drum. It was a big uh, selling point for Donald Trump and the campaign to say that Dodd-Frank needs to go and CFPB was a part of that. That would be great. And, you know, just to be clear, if the CFPB went away, consumer protection would not go away. I just want to be clear on that because I think oftentimes it gets conflated. People think, oh, you know, none of this enforcement would happen. Most of these statute or statutes already existed that provided consumer protection. It was just putting them all in one agency. So these could be folded back into, for example, the Federal Trade Commission or other regulators that we have. We have plenty of regulators out there. Um, so that would be one option. That would be great. Whether that's politically feasible is a different question. Um, this would also be a great opportunity to change it into a commission um, to make it bipartisan. That would give the Democrats a chance to put some of their people there and not just have it headed by one Republican. Because what's going to happen is, you know, presumably a Republican will come in and have a totally different agenda. And you'll have all of this uncertainty as the policy swings wildly from one administration to the other. And that does not promote stability Either. Oh, and by vesting this one person who, by the way, after the president appoints him or her, cannot be removed ex except uh, for cause. Uh, and it is, as you say, it's not a commission. It's one person. So the policy, the policy, the, the handling of the agency could be changed dramatically. And I expect it would be. I mean, because this is such a controversial agency, um, I would expect that the new director would take a very different approach. And this creates a lot of um, instability in the way the financial services industry can respond to regulation. I mean, it's very difficult for businesses to comply with regulation. And once you create it, you know, certain uh, procedures are put in place and people expend money in order to comply with existing regulation. When you change it wildly, you know, I think that we should change it. I think a lot of these policies have been very bad. But when you change back and forth from one policy approach to another, it it makes it very difficult for people to figure out where things are going. And it makes companies take a lot fewer risks. And taking fewer risks means less innovation, fewer new products, fewer opportunities for people to use financial services effectively. Thea Brooke-Knight is Associate Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast on iTunes and Google Play. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>